This is the Rich Eisen Show. Everybody who's on sauce for not knowing who Jessica Alba is needs to back off and correct themselves. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Aaron Rodgers was like pointing to everyone in the room. He's like, do you know who that is? And I think it was like a joke because the kid didn't know anybody. (laughs) Earlier on the show, New York Jets head coach Robert Sala. Coming up, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. From Prime Videos, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, actor Kevin Pollack. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. Great chat with Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets. Also coming up on this program, Kevin Pollack of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel will be in studio in hour number three. By the way, also on the, let me get this right, uh, Don Rickles would have been today... Uh, 97 years old. Um, so obviously we'll go down the casino wormhole and a little bit of the usual suspects with uh, with Kevin Pollack when he joins us in studio in hour number three. But joining us right here to kick off hour number two, fresh back from Guadalajara, uh, <laughs> where he watched Canelo light up the sky. Joining us here to talk about the association as well, which he also covers for Sports Illustrated, is Chris Maddox. Good to see you. Good to see you, Rich. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm, you know. So getting by. Okay. So uh were you in flight when uh Jokic and uh Matt Ishbia No, I was back. Okay, I got back? back early on Sunday, so I got to watch the Celtics and the Sixers and then whatever happened in Denver with Jokic and Ishbia. I, wild. I, I'm just waiting to see what the NBA rules on this. It'll probably come later today, how they decide to you know adjudicate all this. Because there's a couple of different ways you can go. Number one, you have to look at Jokic. And put aside the fact that it was Matt Ishbia. 99 times out of 100, if you see a player interact with a fan in the way Jokic did, some kind of suspension is coming. Now, there were mitigating circumstances. You had Matt Ishbia seem to make contact first. It was Matt Ishbia, the owner of the Suns, who kind of held onto the ball a little bit too long. Not kind of. He flat out, like I was saying at the top of the show, like if, if he was back on the Spartan bench, the, the possession arrow would have yeah. been pointing in the direction of the Suns. But, you know, I it, mean... It, it, I can tell you this, and and this goes back... Go back a little bit further to take it to zoom out a bit. Mm-hmm. When Draymond Green got suspended, most of it was because of the stomp that he did to Domas Sabonis. But part of it was how he incited the crowd afterwards. That was taken into account when the NBA made its decision. Adam Silver was sitting right there in Sacramento watching the whole thing, and Draymond was shouting at the crowd, interacting with the crowd. The biggest fear in the league office is a repeat of the malice in the palace. Get it. Like, that is on the mind of everyone Mm -hmm. over there when you have crowd interaction. So the fact that Jokic elbowed someone, putting aside the dispute, the fact that he elbowed someone in the crowd, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation today in Olympic Tower in New York about how to punish him. I, my gut is fine. Something like nothing that takes Jokic out of the game. But this is going to be a tough call, Rich. I'm telling you, it's going to be a very tough one. And I understand that, that, that for, you know, he even admitted he, it was a fan. Like he didn't know it was the son's mm-hmm. owner, uh, governor. Um, and so, so it doesn't matter. Just the whole concept is that somebody in street clothes was there mm-hmm. and received an elbow from him and and you can't make contact with that but his point is right like you know uh ishby's right hand was on his small of his back and then he held on to the basketball 
which is something, still still not but reason. That, but that's but that's but he's trying to get the game going again. He's situationally in the moment of the game where he's going to grab the ball from the fan, hand it to the official, and see if he can get a five on four break going. Right. Here. The, the, instead, I look. I get his argument. I understand what, what he's yes. trying to say. Um, even if he had grabbed the ball. The referee still has to hold it, and the referee's not restarting play until Josh Okogie is like functional and away from yes. the crowd. So the, yes. it wouldn't have been a five-on-four break. Um, I, I thought it, it, it would have been more explainable if there was a Nuggets player that had fallen to the crowd. If Jokic is going in there trying to protect yes. his teammate, I think that would have worked more in his favor. But the fact that he just wanted to get the possession going again, and as part of that, he elbowed someone in the crowd... It's just not a good look. It's not a good look for Nikola Jokic. And I'm telling you, there are going to be there are going to be people inside the league office that are pro suspension when they have this discussion. Suspension would be game five in a series this close where they've unex- needed him. Wow. Would, I'll be honest. Suspension would be unacceptable. That's the frankly, way I, I thought the, And I understand and I totally understand. Look, I, I you know, I've been an NFL employee for twenty years, so I understand the way a league and league management looks at things when it involves a fan or con the NFL doesn't have fan contact issues pretty much because fans are in the stands. This is a sport where there are fans who are truly one step away from having somebody sitting in their lap. I totally understand the malice in the palace. I get it. You cannot suspend Jokic. And I understand that he made contact with a fan. Fine him if you want. But then my question is, is what do they do about Ishbia? He can't hold on to the basketball like he owns it. Like, uh, come on. You know, and, and I know he's new to the league, but he's not new to basketball. Let me ask you this. Would a suspension for Nikola Jokic be more outrageous to you than the suspension to Draymond Green? A million percent. I'm not sure it would be that much more outrageous. Why? Because he elbowed someone in the crowd. And let's say that wasn't Matt Ishbia. Let's say that's a intoxicated fan of the God. Phoenix Suns yeah. who takes an elbow and comes back and throws a haymaker at Nikola Jokic. What, like, the fact that it didn't lead to a uglier incident, yes. I don't think that, that makes it any better. I actually think I actually would be less outraged by a Jokic suspension than I was over Draymond. I came out right away and said a suspension is outrageous. Sabonis grabbed his leg. Yes. Draymond stomped on him kind of like it wasn't, you know, I thought Grant Williams got stomped on a lot worse by Joel Embiid. But mm-hmm. I think that a Jokic suspension to me would be less outrageous than what happened to Draymond. Really? Yes. Even though he touched Jokic first? But let's be clear on touching him he didn't shove Jokic right like put his hand on him a little bit shouldn't have held onto the basketball he didn't initiate an altercation with Jokic I know ever look we're dissecting this we are, yeah. a day after and we're not in agreement on on how it all played out this happened split second right and Jokic just responded through a bit of an elbow there uh I think Jokic overreacted in that moment. I do. Well, I, 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 I think we can all be in an agreement that what Ishbia tweeted out on Monday morning. He had morning. to tweet that. <laughs> no, I know he had to tweet it, but him saying, like, you know, there's nothing to see here. This shouldn't be a story. Man, come on, I'm sorry. I mean, he held onto a basketball in the middle of a heated moment 
And, you know, he did receive an elbow to his upper chest or his neck area. Flopped a little bit afterwards. Well, I mean, and that also, TJ and I were talking about that, too, that if you're if you ever have like the just to, you know, defend the moment here, if you ever have like the the uh, a folding chair seat right behind the Mm. back of your knees, you you can easily lose your balance. And I've never been shoved by somebody of Jokic's size. Mm -hmm. Um, But that said, what adds to the moment is that if you do believe he flopped, it made it seem like the owner was trying to sell the moment to the officials to maybe get something, either the tech or something worse on Jokic. In well, the he was because it wasn't just the fall. He threw his hands up in the air right afterwards in kind of a Draymond exaggeration. So moment. a governor of the NBA should not be doing that. No. So don't you think a, a fine or, or something yes. should be coming in his direction? Absolutely. As well? and, okay. that, and Matt Ishbia, if he does get fined, would... You know, pull that out of the you know, seat cushions of his office. The bigger question coming into this is, does the NBA allow Nikola Jokic to elbow someone in the crowd? No, they, uh, and I, uh, I would understand why a, 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 a fine would come. It's just, come on, suspending Look, him for I, game I hope, five. Like, like this is... I hope I'm wrong. Really, the pivotal game five, you know, like because game fives are either decisive or or pivotal, you know, like this is pivotal. This is going to be. You remember how the Draymond announcement came out? I think it was late Friday evening. Mm -hmm. Now, normally these announcements come out afternoon, like during business hours in the league office, because there's unanimity oftentimes on how things get adjudicated. Um, This could be the same type of situation where whatever punishment is announced, whether it's a fine upgraded to a flagrant foul, another technical attitude, whatever they decide to do. I could see this happening later in the day on Monday uh, because I think there will be a lot of discussion in the league office about how to handle this. Chris Mannix here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's move on to the game tonight (laughs) where I'm assuming you will be there tonight. Uh, And you called Lakers winning the West a while ago. Is this what you had in mind pretty much? Well, I think I had in mind that their defense is really good mm-hmm. and the numbers back that up ever since they made all the trades they made um, before the trade deadline. Uh, I, I saw Anthony Davis being dominant all through March. And I said, look, this is the old Anthony Davis. Uh, I understand we have to be wary about Anthony Davis getting injured at different times. But when I wrote what I wrote back in March, I'd seen him play through hard falls, bad ankle sprains, uh, obviously dealing with the foot injury that had been lingering for him. So I believe that was transferable. And then it comes down to LeBron. Like how many times do we bet against LeBron and he finds a way to come through and the Lakers get to the free throw line an awful lot. That was true in the regular season. It's been true in the playoffs. Davis has been great. The role players are a lot better. Didn't expect Angela Russell to be as good in some pivotal games mm-hmm. in this postseason, but he has been an upgrade for them. Th- this is not an aberration with the Lakers. This is what they have been since late January, early February, when Davis returned and they shook up the roster. So I'm a believer in what the Lakers are. Okay, and so um, the Warriors, I asked this question of Ramona Shelburne last week, and I'll ask it to you now. The deep dive that will inevitably come on this Warriors season, what will it reveal? What is the iceberg we're just seeing the tip of? You're already seeing Greg Anthony tweeted out last night that, you know, Jordan Poole's numbers are down, you know, and he said, hey, anything happened that might have uh, altered his mindset before the season? I mean, are we going to be talking about that punch once this thing's all over, do you think? I think that we will be talking about how that incident in training camp affected the locker room 
during the season. But I think bigger picture for the Warriors, one of the things we'll be talking about is how their young players never really stepped into the bigger roles that Golden State expected. I mean, you look at the championship-level runs that they've gone on. Mm -hmm. They've always had their core four, right? But they've also had Andre Guadalla playing a significant role. Gary Payton playing a significant role. Otto Porter last year, who I think what he started one of those finals games, playing a significant role. The Warriors anticipated before the season that Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, and before he was traded, James Wiseman, somebody from that collection of players would step up and be able to be playing right now in significant roles right now. That really hasn't happened. They have been overly reliant on their star players to play above and beyond what they're capable of. And look, and Steph has been great most of the time. Yes. Clay has had, you know, his previous game was fantastic, but their margin for error got a lot smaller when Iguodala became unavailable, when they lost some of the other veterans that were on the roster. Uh, I think that is a bigger issue for this team right now than whatever dynamic exists with Jordan Poole. There will be a, a autopsy for Golden State after the season where they think, all right, if we do bring Draymond back, mm-hmm. can we bring Draymond and Poole back into the mix? Do we have to think about trading Jordan Poole? Uh you know, to, to fix whatever locker room dynamic might exist. Because you see, Rich, like, you hear about what's going on in the locker room, but you also see what's happening on the floor. The Sacramento series, Game 6, where Jordan Poole kind of brushes off Draymond. Yes. The body language from some of these Warriors players when Jordan Poole takes these ill-advised shots. There's obviously fire where this smoke is. I think that's something that definitely will have to be addressed if this season goes sideways. And a lot of folks thought maybe that was put to bed with the famed Curry post-Game 6 home loss speech, get on the bus, you're with us. If not, stay off the bus to Sacramento. And, you know, here we are now three games into this series and we're wondering what's going to happen tonight. Who the heck knows? I get it. But um, there's no doubt whatever happened in the beginning of the season is still lingering, right? I mean, isn't we can safely assume that? I right think now? the situation has evolved over the season. Yes. I think whereas initially for a couple of months, Draymond lost his ability to speak in that locker room. Like he was he had to prove himself mm-hmm. all over again to that team. But I think as the season has played out, you know, I don't want to say the roles have reversed, but Draymond has certainly regained his place as a leader inside that locker room. And Jordan Poole, you know, for for whatever reasons, I think most of it's on court, like kind of his lack of production or lack of consistent production mm-hmm. on court has diminished him somewhat in the eyes of his teammates. Uh, that can change tonight. Like He could have an efficient 7-for-11 type game and the Warriors could run away with it. It's happened before, but... As far as long-term, that's definitely something I think will need to be addressed. All right, Chris Mannix here on the Rich Eisen Show uh, studios. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the East, and then obviously Canelo. Hmm. You saw that in person. What a festival that was <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, we'll take a break. And Chris Mannix is here on the Rich Eisen Show studio. Don't you dare move. Kevin Pollack is also still to come. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Roku channel, a couple minutes, our radio audience will return. Uh, you got a Roberto Duran Panama shirt on? What, do, right. what is yes. this? What do you got here? I, I support uh, all former boxers Roberto Duran I you know is this a, does he have his own wear is that what it is What's it's this? a website that does a lot of boxing like gear so I buy okay. a lot of boxing stuff from them okay but, you know, what's hands of stone what's the oldest boxing thing that you have oldest boxing thing whether it's an item whether it's an article of clothing I don't know I like I buy older yeah. it's newer clothing from older I buy a lot of like a lot of Muhammad Ali gear but okay. it's very recently you know Woven or purchased. So then what's the first fight you covered? Uh, first fight I covered was Haseem Rahman versus James Tony at heavyweight. And I was in Atlantic City. Damn. And I was so excited about that fight. I even like got locker room access to both guys so I could write my story. Uh-huh. And it was dreadful. It was a draw. Oh. It, and it wasn't even a good draw. It was just like one of those draws where it's like, let's... Let's all get past this and move on. I, I once covered a, I forgot, an, it was a, an Akinwande fight in New York. Henry Akinwande, yeah. And it got canceled because anyway. he got hepatitis. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Which also people were translating as there wasn't enough ticket sales, so they canceled it. <laughs> that happens a lot. They, you know, they, the, said they came up with hepatitis B. That's hepatitis. like the, basket, remember basketball wow. players used to be out with plantar fasciitis. Yes. When they, yeah, that's the basketball version or the of, boxing of, version. Of they were load managing? Yes. There wasn't enough of a load of tickets? Yeah. <laughs> that's what a pretty, was that's that, the way was it was described. Was that pre or post uh, title for Rockman? That was for a version of the heavyweight title that he eventually didn't win because it was a draw. And James Tony was going for that heavyweight title as well. Yeah. It wasn't good. Back in the day. Chris Mannix is here, uh, fresh back from Guadalajara, where our radio audience is about to join us. We'll talk about Canelo Alvarez and, of course, the rest of the NBA playoffs. 
back here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. So, uh, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated still here, and we'll talk a little bit about boxing. And I know I said we want to talk about the East, and we will, but um, I want to just jump in with what we talked about uh, at the end of the first hour with Chris Brockman. Uh, and the rest giving voice to what so many NBA fans feel about Scott Foster. Is the NBA front office aware uh, that fans view Scott Foster as uh, not on the up and up in a way? And I'm not saying that he's on the take. I'm just saying that he does what the league wants to do to get the television audience uh, having a seven-game series and stuff like that. Are they are they aware of this? They're aware of it. Um, whenever I speak to league officials about that perception – what often I'll get bombarded with are facts and figures, statistics that show, or at least a reference to statistics that show that Scott Foster is one of the most accurate referees that they have. And look, whether it's this game five with Lakers Warriors or uh, the NBA finals, he's involved in mm-hmm. a lot of games. Now fans might say, well, he's involved because the league he'll do what the league says. And that perception is because of two things, right? One, his previous association with Tim Donaghy. You can't wash that away. Yes. He, they were friends um, before Donaghy was bounced from the league because of the gambling scandal and the Chris Paul numbers. Like every time Scott Foster has officiated a Chris Paul game over the last few years, it's been pointed out time and again that Chris Paul can't win when Scott Foster's out there. So I think it's been, you know, th- this two very high profile connections that have enhanced this perception of Scott Foster. I think he's a good referee. Like I, I, I would challenge people to kind of point to multiple specific moments where he gets the call wrong. Like, I don't think he gets it wrong or it's not a word, but I don't think he gets it more wrong than other top referees do. Does that help you? Chris? No, but isn't that true though? Don't you always like, when you think Scott Foster, <laughs> like what, what do you point to with how I, he screws I it up? It's like, kind of like the NFL, right? You call holding on every play. Uh, it's about tone early. Like Anthony Davis is getting two fouls in the first quarter. Tonight, okay, but right? if, then if he does, then I'll come back here next time and say you're right. But you're when you're saying that you're like Scott Foster makes too many bad calls. I need to hear which ones I'm you're not, talking. I'm not about. saying they're bad. You could call a foul on every drive to the hoop. You could call hand check on it. It's just tone. Correct. But what? How you're all right, calling? Tell, tell me. Tell me which. You got to point to a game. You got to point to a specific incident because I think that you are doing what I'm, I just said people are doing, which is associating him, sure, whether it's conscious or not, yeah. with Donaghy and with uh, Chris the Paul. Chris Paul stuff. You're probably right, and I don't have any specifics. I'll watch the game tonight, maybe take some, some good notes and, mm-hmm. and get back to you, but it's just a perception. And when, when referees... Well, he's not alone. You, you when know referees, that, right? I get it, but again, I don't know Twitter, if the perception... Though. I don't know if the perception is connected to the reality of the situation. What the NBA likes about Scott Foster is that... He, he controls the game. Like it's, it's sometimes look like the incident from last night, you need a crew chief there that's in control in yes. that situation. Yeah. Someone with experience, someone that's, you know, been part of big games. Scott Foster is that guy. That that's why the, part of the reason why they like him so much. But perception is reality. You can't have referees. Oh, it's not always reality. Twitter. Like that's just a bad but look. That, for the okay. League. If we're not going to, you can't allow Twitter to dictate like who 
<laughs> NBA Twitter is though is a powerful no, force. B- but I think well, what it I'm shouldn't be is, an influential one though. You shouldn't be looking if you're the league. The league if can't you be are, happy that Foster is trending every time he's refereeing. What are you going to do about it though? Like if you're Monty McCutcheon, who's the NBA referees are like. If you're going to see Scott Foster trending on Twitter, he's also very recognizable. People know what Scott Foster looks like. You can't pick like Bill Kennedy out of a lineup, most that's NBA true. referees. So, yeah. so I think that's part of it. But if you're Monty McCutcheon and you're like, all right, big game coming up. We're going to assign a certain referee. Oh, damn. Stevie7293 says Scott Foster sucks. Like, like you cannot, that. You cannot go by what Twitter tells you. I can't believe you just called out your burner account, Chris. Sorry, man. Does Monty but this McCutcheon- is Josiah, who like has pretty big influence and, and worldwide wob no, no. in these guys. They're making reference to all these stats but and I, I, how Scott Foster is. I think you he's under- got a perception. You know, and I, about and that, that's why I ask if the league's aware. Does Monty McCutcheon dress like that all the time? All the time. All oh, the come time. On. Really? All the time. I was in the really? NBA bubble with Monty for a while. He's, he's still. He's bow tied in the bubble? Bubble bow tied? Yeah, part of the time. Yeah. Like he. Look, I saw the last game, Monty McCutcheon, referee, I was texting people in the league office, like, I can't take, or Monty McCutcheon was doing yes. some of the talk back. Yes. I'm like, I can't take Monty seriously when he's dressed like a leprechaun. Like, I can't. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's very difficult. Yeah. Lucky. I love the guy. He's a great guy. But I, it is funny. Every single time he pops on, I didn't think about this. I, I was hankering for a bowl of Lucky Charms. Yes. Now I yes. understand it. Um, so is Scott Foster going to take Steve Javi's role, right? Pretty much one day. Will he be, will, will he be, uh, those guys like, again, I like Steve Javi known him a long time, but like I need a independent referees rules analyst that is willing to go after his former colleagues. Mike Pereira, a Mike Pereira in in the boxing world. I used to work with Steve Smoger, who was a great referee passed away recently. Um, and whenever we would go to Steve Smoger for something that happened in the ring, if the referee got it wrong, Steve Smoger would slap him around a little bit. I kind of want that. I never feel like I get that from Steve Javi. I don't feel he like he always ever always backs the referees. Yeah, I, I don't want that. I need you got to have some independence yeah. in that situation, a fearlessness that comes with going after your former colleagues. I've got Chris Mannix of Sports Sports Illustrated here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's your take on Celtics Sixers so far, and what happens from here on out? First of all phenomenal game for James Harden. Like I was among the people on Saturday or Friday, rather jumping up and down on him for the way he played. I mean, because when he went in the tank for games two and game three, it gave license to go after him for everything else he's done in the past. All those playoff flameouts in Houston, the couple of bad games he had in Oklahoma city in the postseason. Like we were once again, seeing James Harden wilt, in those big moments. Everything did in game one, inconsequential. Game two and three, just in the tank. For him to come out and play like that and make shots like that, mm-hmm. all credit in the world for him. I came into the series believing Boston was significantly better. The Celtics have owned the Sixers over the last couple of years. Regular season, postseason. So James Harden playing like that was remarkable. Can James Harden keep it up? That, to me, is the biggest question. Embiid's going to be great. Like, I mean... People talk about him deserving MVP. Might deserve Defensive Player of the Year. He's such a a, in, a dominant force in the paint. He's going to be great. I feel Maxie's going to be okay. I don't know what I'm going to get in James Harden in Game 5. I don't know which version of him mm-hmm. is going to show up. He doesn't have to be the star of Games 1 and Game 4, but he can't be whatever that was in Game 2 and Game 3. That's the big question in the series. The Celtics, they've got great perimeter defenders. James Harden's got to be better. That, to me, is the big question going to Game 5. So there's no variables on the Celtics side of things? Because- it's more about how their perimeter defense plays, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. they've been great. They were great in Game 2 and Game 3. And the the strength of their defense is 
Jalen Brown, who was great against Harden, and then the three guards, uh, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon. They should be able to make Harden, Maxi, DeAnthony Melton inefficient. They're that good. They can switch everything. They're that good. It, it's it's a battle of strengths in this series with the backcourt of the Sixers and the backcourt of the Celtics. Whoever comes out of that matchup, what's out of that battle with the win, I think wins the game in the series. And what about the conference? How do you feel about that sense of having watched the Heat dispatch with the Bucks and then now be up two games to one going into tonight's game against the Knicks? Do you, do you get the sense that uh, the, the best of three, if you will, uh, that starts in Boston um, is – is going to determine the conference? Or what do you got for me there? Yeah, I think whoever wins this Celtics series will be, the Celtics Sixers will be the favorite going into that round. I just can't figure Miami out. Like, I watched them all season long, mm-hmm. and they just looked like something was missing. You know, whether it was personnel, attitude, you know, whatever. It felt like something was off with that team. And then you watch the play-in game, where Atlanta just goes down there and beats the daylights off them. You're like, all right, they're done. First round fodder uh, for Milwaukee. But they just, starting with Jimmy Butler, they just raised their game, everyone, top to bottom, to another level in the postseason. I think they're a favorite against the Knicks tonight. We'll see. Can Julius Randle step up and have a monster game? Can Jalen Brunson play better than he's played in previous games? But I, I don't know. I Miami's just really hard to figure out. Like Boston last year, they were a Jimmy Butler missed three-pointer, like a couple of inches yep. from losing that series in seven. That's basically the same team down in Miami that they played once again. Maybe Tyler Hero finds his way back on the floor earlier rather than later. I, I think the Celtics or the Sixers beat the Knicks. I don't know what to make of Miami at this point. So Miami could actually they could. go they could. on this they're run a playoff, here. They're a built-for-playoff team. They, you know, We hear that it's a cliche in, in basketball and sports. You're a plug-and-play, right? Plug and play player, plug and play player. Miami's proof of that. Like Duncan Robinson is in street clothes for most of the last like three months. Yes. Tyler Hero goes out. Here comes Duncan Robinson back in looking like the guy we saw in the bubble. You know, Max Struess making shots. Gabe Vincent making shots. All these guys that anyone could have signed at any point in time. They come down to Miami and all of a sudden they become better versions of themselves. Miami's just different. The way they do things is different. You can't sit here. We can't sit here and say that we don't get a bubble rematch in the finals. You might like that's entirely possible. Yeah. With fans and everything this time around. Give me a good Jimmy Butler story. You got one? I mean, because he is one of the most fascinating to me um, superstars that got, you know, Bulls were at him and then the Sixers had a shot. Obviously, Minnesota had him and he's he's dominant. He can be as dominant as any superstar in this league. And and uh, he's he's remarkable. The guy's remarkable. You got a good one for me? I, I don't have a specific Jimmy Butler story. I heard Jeff Teague tell a good story recently about that famed practice in Minnesota where Jimmy Butler with the G League Timberwolves just kicked the crap out of the starters, ripped off his <laughs> warm-up <laughs> shirt to reveal a Minnesota jersey with the Minnesota cutout of the front of it, which is peak Jimmy Butler. What you know about Jimmy <laughs> Butler is that it takes a special type of coach and a special type of culture and a special type of roster to maximize him. Like, you put him on Philadelphia next to Joel Embiid, and he's great because Jimmy and Joel Embiid have the same mindset, win-at-all-costs kind of mindset. Jimmy and Ben Simmons don't have the same mindset. And Jimmy was kind of ahead of the curve 
on Ben Simmons, kind of knowing that there was something <laughs> off. He was like there was something a little bit off mm-hmm. with Ben Simmons. But you put him in Miami where Eric Spolster, remember that scene late in the season this year where Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler were going to get oh, into each other. Of course. And Eric says, what, you want to fight me now? Yeah. <laughs> That's the season. That's Jimmy Butler. Like, but you have to have a coach that is willing to kind of brush that off. It's like, whatever. This is what happens. It's intense. Watch us in practice. Like, I, I think there's, you know, there's 30 teams in the NBA. Jimmy might not be able to play for 28 of them. No at least not at this level that he's playing at right now. He is in the perfect situation in Miami with that roster, with that coach, with Bam Adebayo, with the guys down there that play with an edge. And as long as he's playing at this level, you can't count Miami out. I mean, you don't really run plays for Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler just takes the ball. and He's like, you know what? I'm better than these guys. I'm going to take it at these guys. I'm going to shoot mid range jumpers on these guys. Like he just believes wholeheartedly that when he has the ball in his hands, he's better than the guy in front of him. Last guy, that guy across the way wants to see in the Eastern conference finals. Don't want to see him. Happy that they, the Hawks beat them in the play in. So they weren't the seventh seed. Yeah. To go against the Celtics. I wouldn't, I would not. I mean, everybody kind of attributes, the Bucks lost to Giannis's injury, and there's some truth to that. Look, he missed two and a half games yeah. in that series, but they won one of those games, right? And and they lost, and the Bucks lost all three that Giannis played in, that played any right. part in. So I don't know. I I can tell you that being around that Boston organization, they got the matchup they wanted in that first round. A little harder than they thought, having to go six games, but they got the matchup they wanted. And now, if you're if you ask the Celtics right now, obviously focused on Philly, but they want the Knicks. Yeah, you want the Knicks. You'd much rather play the Knicks if you're the Celtics <laughs> than have to deal with that Miami team and that coach. I mean, I mean, Eric Spolstra versus Joe Mazzulla is a it's a tough matchup. Like Eric Spolstra's got it's experience. Not even close. <laughs> like Spolstra's so much a better. Why doesn't Joe Mazzulla call timeouts? That was a bad look. And I think Joe even admitted it afterward. But that was a bad look. Oh, like over uh, overtime, one possession, ball in the backcourt. I know you don't want Philadelphia to sub in some more defensive players, but you got to call time out there. You got to set something up. up. And then Tatum just stood there at the top. Uh, it was just. And then why? Why is Jalen Brown doubling off of Harden when he's been torching them? All he admitted night? that was a mistake too. Like that was a whiff. I don't know that a timeout necessarily helps that, mm. but 15 seconds left, you got to call a timeout and run the play. It makes you wonder. Like, does Joe Missoula do the Celtics have confidence that they're going to draw up? the kind of play that makes the timeout worth it? Or is it better to just try to catch the Sixers, catch whatever team, backpedaling, not able to set their own defense? Maybe it's a calculation on their part that the way things are moving is better than if you call a timeout and drop your own play. It just further illustrates that Ime Odoka was the toughest guy on that team. Ime Odoka got a lot of that team. But look, if Joe Mazzulla wins the series, you got to give him credit for that too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brad Stevens was the king of dialing up plays, called timeout, and they would, what, Basically at 100% of them. Like you know? um, I've got uh, Chris Mannix here. A couple more minutes left with the Sports Illustrated um, senior writer here. What was it like in uh, Guadalajara being right there for Canelo Alvarez and and that whole scene? What was that like? The best sports atmosphere I've ever been a part of. Get out of here. Best, without question. You had 50,000 Guadalajarans and people from outs- the outskirts of yes. the area as well. Mm-hmm. Packed into a soccer stadium. The entrance, the ring walk, the 150-piece mariachi band <laughs> playing for Canelo Alvarez. Just the, it was it was intense in there watching Canelo make that walk to the ring. And I give Canelo Alvarez a lot of credit for doing that. Like, he still made north of $20 million. Mm-hmm. But 
he's accustomed to making north of $30 million. He took a pretty significant pay cut to come down to Guadalajara. Ringside tickets for that fight went for like $2,000, which Mm -hmm. is still pretty expensive for the area. Ringside tickets in Vegas, $18,000, $19,000, something like that. Uh Uh, Site fees in Vegas, big money. But he wanted to bring a fight to his hometown. He did it, and I think it was well worth it. Everything about that event was incredible. The fight itself... If you were skeptical of Canelo Alvarez still being the face of boxing, mm-hmm. the number one star in boxing, you probably left feeling pretty good about that. Because three years ago, Canelo Alvarez knocks out John Ryder. Doesn't let him survive that fifth round knockdown. Now, not as great stamina-wise. Maybe not as good a finisher as he used to be. Still a top 10 pound-for-pound guy. But I wonder after that fight if we have seen the best days of Canelo Alvarez behind him. But it was still an incredible scene. Incredible scene. We'll never forget. Incredible scene. So uh, I I know next up on the fight game is something that you're, you give me your uh, itinerary for tonight and where you're going. You were sitting sitting down. Lakers. (laughs) This is great. Lakers tonight. Yep. uh, And then there's a 1.30 a.m. flight out of LAX that I'm going to catch. Why not? That takes (laughs) me to Dallas for the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz press conference on Tuesday, which is going to be quite the scene is Jake Paul. You guys, we were talking about this before we went on air about, yes. you know, Nate Diaz does that incident he had in new Orleans, put the fight in jeopardy. Not this kind of fight that makes the fight even bigger. Nate Diaz choking, choking just randomly out choking out some guy. Okay. And Nate, but isn't the lesson learned in that? Like don't step to Nate Diaz. Like, I don't know what that, I don't know how that all happened. <laughs> Why would like you ever step to Nate Diaz. I mean, what are you doing? Well, like you have, have to know who you're alcohol. stepping to. I have a feeling alcohol was involved. It's Bourbon street. Yep, yeah. Bourbon I have a feeling street. about that, but that only makes that event, uh, I think a little bit bigger. Okay. And so how, how huge is this event going to be? It's going to be big. It's at American airlines center on August 5th. Yep. And, Look at, you know, Jake Paul, people always want to see him now test himself against real boxers. This is why he doesn't do it, because even if Jake Paul fought a rematch against Tommy Fury, it wouldn't be anywhere near as big as what Jake Paul against Nate Diaz is going to be. Jake Paul against Anderson Silva in Arizona was huge and mostly because all of Anderson Silva's fans showed up. Jake Paul wasn't the attraction at that point. Anderson Silva was in Dallas. There are going to be 10,000 plus uh Nate Diaz fans packing that building. The face-offs are going to be intense. The fight week is going to be intense. Security is probably going to be tripled because of what could happen between these two guys. I'm telling you, when you get to that first week in August, it's oftentimes a dead week in sports, right? NFL training camp just starting to open. Basketball is basically wrapped. The sporting world is going to take notice of Jake Paul against Nate Diaz. I'll be I'll be at the uh, potential polar opposite in terms of intensity mm-hmm. um, of event that you know Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, speeches are yeah, that day. There you go. I'll okay. be in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> you know, Paul some good Diaz, trash talk there. You know, yeah. in terms of the intensity of a Paul Diaz fight and then the intensity of a Joe Klecko acceptance speech. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> by the way, I say that just because Klecko is the funniest word I could possibly say. <laughs> Although I'm very excited as a Jet fan to see a member of the Sack Exchange go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but that's where I'll be on that day. I'll send pictures. <laughs> Chris, well, really quick, since yeah. we're still on the boxing yeah, yeah. thing, Haney yeah. and Lomachenko's coming up, man. And to me, I mean, I know Paul and Nate is a spectacle, but this is a real fight to me. What are your thoughts on, on this fight coming up? Yeah, I was talking to somebody this morning um, associated with that fight, and he was telling me that a couple of weeks out, Lomachenko is in as good a shape as he's ever been. He is completely locked in for this fight. And I think the big question going into fight week is 
how hard is it for Devin Haney to get down to 135 pounds? He is he a big, big 135-pounder. Uh, if this Lomachenko fight did not materialize, he would probably be fighting already at 140 pounds. Devin is as disciplined as they come, but he's in his mid-20s now. He's been fighting at 135 pounds for a long time. Mm-hmm. If he is at all diminished going into this fight, at all drained weight-wise, this is a fight for Vasily Lomachenko, even at the backstage, the Canelo stage, if you will, of his career. It's a fight Lomachenko can definitely win. Okay. What's next for Looking Ryan Garcia? I would guess that after Ryan Garcia decides on a new trainer, whether it's a return to Eddie Reynoso, which I think is possible, uh, I think someone like Dean Campos, who used to train my colleague Sergio Mora, is someone that would work well with Ryan Garcia. You're going to see him in at least two lower-tier fights. I think Mercito Hesta, throw a name out there, he's someone that beat Jojo Diaz in his last fight. That's a fight that's a safe fight for Ryan Garcia to take before the end of the year. Then one more fight before we start talking about Ryan against any of the big names in the 140-pound division. Yeah, take Davis kind of... <laughs> Put him, put him to sleep there. I think you learn a lot from yeah. a fight like that, for and sure. A, and a perfect person to have here on the show today, <laughs> talking boxing and NBA playoffs with Chris Mannix. So I guess the final question is, when is Jokic Ishbia 2? When does that happen? Man, I know him? I can tell you Matt Ishbia is praying right now that Nikola Jokic doesn't get suspended. He does not want any part of Hell yeah, being... Of course not. Being, and and that, I, that tweet was perfect. That was exactly what he needed to say. But to put a button on this... There's going to be a lot of conversation today. I'm telling you, a lot of conversation. You cannot put your hands on anyone in the crowd. If it was a regular season game, yes. no question. Nikola Jokic suspended, suspended for the next one. But game five, can the league do it? They shouldn't do it. I hope they don't do it. And you're right. Ishbia's tweet was perfect. Like, hey, great game last night. That should be front and center. I have nothing but respect mm-hmm. for Jokic. Go Suns. It's just like, but, you know. Uh, what a run for Matt Ishbia. Like, takes over the team, 15 minutes later, trades for Kevin Durant, second round of the playoffs. <laughs> right? Now he's in the stands, literally physically altercating, if that's a word, I know, with Nikola Jokic. Just, you know, look, you're right. The league should just call up Jokic and say, don't touch a fan. Mm-hmm. And call up Ishbia and say, no more jump balls. Okay. What helps Jokic? No, no, no held possession. Anymore. What helps Jokic is that he doesn't have history of this. Like right. Draymond, obviously, a right. lot of history there. So I think that's going to certainly work in Jokic's favor. And if I was in the prediction game, I think it whatever punishment is something less than a suspension for Game Five. But there will be people pushing for a suspension. Here's my answer: Jokic gets fined. And Ishbia's got to sit next to Jokic's brothers <laughs> at the next Nuggets game in Denver. Have you seen video of those guys? I have. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Those guys don't. They don't play. They don't That's, play. That's his yeah. punishment. His seat, he's got to sit right in between Jokic's brothers in Denver. There's tough and there's Serbian tough. Okay. <laughs> like, just saying. I, I was waiting for his brothers to come bum rush well, him when that whole thing that. happened. I was we like, where are they that. at? That's why he give it. By the way, Ishbia would give up possession. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Chris. Anytime, Rich. Yeah, that's it. Chris Mannix here of Sports Illustrated here on the Rich Eisen <laughs> Show. Don't go anywhere. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. I did not approve this, but, uh, you know, that's that's part of me delegating to you, our social media grand maester. You put out on Instagram a photograph. It says breaking bears trading for Russell Wilson. And and what's today's date? What's today's it date? It is April 1st, Rich. And that is what? It is April, April Fool's Day. <laughs> so um, it's five minutes to air, and I, my phone's on the desk, and it's buzzing. And yeah. and I, I, I see it is, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, uh, it's Jeff Garland. Is the caller there? Is the caller there on the rich? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff from Chicago. <laughs> What's funny about it? Nothing's funny about it. Nothing is funny about it. Our friend Doug Robinson texts me. Yes. Capital left. Russell Wilson. He says, you know, Rich doesn't usually get the scoops. Adam Schefter <laughs> should be on this. Well, that should have made me suspicious. Yeah. But no, I have so much respect for the Rich Eisen show that I know that they have connections that nobody else has. That's true. Well, you know what, Rich? I'm not going to swear. But I got to tell you, your little social media boy, he's going to get his. Oh, my God. <laughs> TJ, do you have anything to say to Jeff Garland? Yeah. Uh, happy April Fool's Day. <laughs> All right. Hey, TJ, you don't know what you've brought down on yourself. You don't even have a clue. I'm you ready know the for power it. that I have, I, especially in practical jokes. I'm going to nail you so hard. Pause. You know what? I hope you enjoy your testicles right now because they're going to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I need them. Oh, my God. Fantastic. That's uh, on our archive, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show, our full almost nine-year archive of this program. Back here on our program, uh, fun stuff with Chris Mannix right there. Great. Soup to nuts, if you will. He covers a lot of ground, too. He does, man. He sure does. Um, So I just had a nice chat with Kevin Pollack in our green room. So great to see him here, man. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. One of my favorite shows, period, end of story. And then, of course, so many great movies that Kevin's been in. Um, he'll be joining us um, in just a little bit less than a half an hour from now. Nice. 
huge moment for me personally this uh, this weekend. Yeah, it was. I just want to say this. Um, my son, Coop, who doesn't want to be called Coop Tony, hey. doesn't like that. Oh, he's got to get familiar He doesn't need that. My 12-year-old son stepped to the plate. Man stands at the plate. It's time for what? Individual, Individual achievement. achievement. Okay? And so um, he had not hit a home run in his Little League career, and he was coming close. And um, his first home run, he hit it on Saturday right around where the Kentucky Derby was, might have been around post time. So I missed the Derby. How was it, by the way? It was, you know, it's the fastest two minutes well, of sports. Run man. for the roses. It's, it was good. Okay. So I uh, was missing it, and, um, and uh, I, I was wondering maybe I should, you know, stream it because my, my son's team gave up a seven spot in the first Oof. and was down 9 nothing, then 9-1. And then um, just when you thought we might get mercy ruled, they put together a huge inning in which they went from 9-1 to 9-8. Two outs, bases full of uh, Little League Rockies, and my son stands at the plate, bases full, and yanked it out of the park for a Grand Slam home run. <laughs> it was so awesome. And um, I lost it. As you should. As you should. I totally lost it. It was... My greatest achievement of my life. <laughs> no, uh, it, it's definitely a, a one. Of, I, I'll never forget it. And he ran around, and his teammates, you know, had you know jumped at home plate with him. And he's doing like the Kirk Gibson round in second. He 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 put his hands on his head like Tom Brady after winning his first Super Bowl. You know, couldn't believe it. I'll never forget it. He crushed it. He absolutely smoked it. Yeah, you uh, sent us some video. And you sent you some videos. The sound of the right off the bat, you could tell. Went and went and got the baseball. Yeah, because so. that's the last thing you said in the video. I gotta get that ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sent you guys the video. It was awesome, but, man. It also, was, you I did was the thing that we you. all do when we watch games, and you know, someone hits one, and you're like, "Get out!" I like, did you, scream that, like, but it was then, to go. It was the no doubt about it, um, and so incredible. Just an incredible Pretty moment. Great. Yeah, so well, I'm gonna well, put that on our IG story if you don't mind. Well, I, I don't know if I want to. You know, okay. What well, was post game? That, like, did you want a celebratory meal? Well, or? again, uh, I, Susie and I went to uh, a bar mitzvah. As a matter of fact, she wasn't there because she was getting ready for it. Oh. So she was, you know. Oh, she missed it. Is truly one of the only games she's missed all year. Wow, I know that hurts. But we face. I know, I know. But we faced. We FaceTimed as we were picking up the baseball. Um, and then she said hi to Coop because, you know, it's not a major league game. You can go right in the dugout. So, yeah, um, <laughs> sure. You know, Rich, my favorite so part of that video too. that you sent us was Taylor yeah. going and hugging Taylor. him. Because yeah. I know how brothers and sisters are. I have yep. two myself. Right. So that moment was that, she, that had to be almost. She did hop in there as well. And, you know, bless her. I, 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 how am I doing today on this program? Because I'm a little bit sleep deprived. Um, good. Thank you. I appreciate you're doing, you saying that. You're doing a little than, bit uh, sleep deprived. Tom and Shiv, so you're fine. I appreciate that. Spoiler alert. Uh, um, <laughs> she when she hasn't, uh, she's nine. When she has a a, a bad dream. Uh, dude, we've been going through that a little bit recently. Have you really? Yeah. Okay, oh, get yeah. ready. Yeah. I hope Cage doesn't do what she does. Well, he Cage is doing flat out screams in the middle of the night. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's better than this. But she, because she comes in the room and says nothing, and then whispers, "Dad, mom, dad," like that, and then that kind of gets me awake, and then I look up and she's at the foot of the bed and she's got long hair. 
Oh gosh! So, oh yeah. Standing there. Hey, hey, hey. There's a very Blair Witch vibe yeah. to this whole situation. The ring. The ring. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. The ring. It's just like middle of the night. I'm glad she whispers because it prevents you know any anything to keep Susie from being awakened. Because and your 14 dogs. Two. <laughs> two dogs. Two wild dogs. Oh my God! She just stands there at the end of the bed with this long hair and doesn't say a word. My heart skips a beat. Yeah. Then I kick into father of the year mode. So, <laughs> so I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit out there. Understood. Oh, hey, by the way, uh, the phrase that pays on this show is what? Hell going on. Hey. Hell going on. Yeah. We know that, right? Of the hell going on month of uh, of March, two marches ago, with this huge. Dicks, Huge day in the NFL offseason, and uh, Stephon Diggs tweeted out the hell going the hell on. Going on. And, then we had, and then we had him at the Super Bowl say the words. Because he tweeted out the hell going on for the free agency mm-hmm. month. And when I guess Tyreek Hill was getting traded and all that, that craziness was happening. Morning when Tyreek got dealt. So James Harden had a huge game in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Yesterday. He did. A lot of folks were wondering well, was there anything different? Well, I guess Doc Rivers texted him a gospel song um, on his phone coming to work and Harden talked about receiving said text. I'm on the way to the game and I get a text from Doc and I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is a gospel song and I'm like, all right, whatever. So I just tell my homies, let's play the song. <laughs> and it's a seven minute song, but it's like, I let the whole song play and I'm like, all right, it got to be some kind of ju- good juju in this song or whatever, however he's feeling. I want to feel like that. And I guess it works. There you go. <laughs> so he said, the hell going on? He did. We got another one. <laughs> hell going on. We got another hell one. Going on. Yeah, we're going to collect them. So now you wonder. Now, if you're if you're Doc Rivers, do you send him a gospel song every time he's going to work? Absolutely. Before Game Five, I would think so. Literally, you go down whatever greatest hits you can get. Absolutely. How about Doc? Also good on James Harden. He had one of the Michigan State shooting victims. Yes, the game in a wheelchair. And, yeah, yeah so that, that was awesome. Son cool shoes, pre and post game. That was cool. James Harden is having. He went to Vegas too, and they're off. Off, off. He's living his best life, but <laughs> he's also charge, li- Chris, you understand, he's living man. the right life right hey, man, now. I love James Harden. <laughs> You would never guess that about you either. <laughs> James Harden's one of your favorite. The hell going on? The hell going on? Kevin Pollock's going to join us shortly on this program. Overreaction Monday still to come as well. Right here. So your son is screaming out in the middle of the night? I don't know what's going on. So you're like dead there. asleep and then suddenly you hear a three-year-old in the other room yes, screaming. just screaming. Ooh. It goes on for you know several seconds. It's long. And then we kind of do the grog awake. You're like... Did you hear that? Yeah. What should we do? Well, let's see if he keeps doing it. Yeah. And then a second one will come, and then, all right, one of us has to go in. and Okay. Yeah. The whispering and the standing wordlessly that with the little, long hair, and you see the silhouette through, creepy. you know, <laughs> for sleep, sleep-covered eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is a little creepy. <laughs> I feel like I should take a picture of it, and then we'll oh. create a movie poster, the, the, Awakening. <laughs> the Awakening. Doesn't that sound like a horror movie? The Awakening. The Awakening. Mom, yeah, Dad. That actually might be Mom, a horror movie. Dad. <laughs> Mom, Dad. Did she tell you what the nightmare her. was? Um, the Awakening no. was a movie in 2011. There you go. <laughs> Is it a Sam Raimi film? Dominic West, though. Okay. From, uh, you know. So, Crown. no, I didn't ask that because I, I don't want conversations. We need to go, <laughs> we need to go back to sleep. <laughs> we don't need conversations. It'll be something when I pick her up from school today if I do. Then you'll talk about yes. it. Yes. Correct. <laughs> 
<laughs> Does she tell you what she's dreaming about? Because Cage can't say that yet. He she can. She can do it. She can do it. Okay. But like I said, it for something in the morning. We don't want that. Right. We're not. We're not chit chatting. <laughs> right, right. We're kind of calm down and That's go to sleep, <laughs> so you don't stand there and whisper at Daddy when he's dead asleep. Dad. <laughs>